Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. This is Peter Karutz. I am your host today, and our guest is Sean Miller, but I call him Mueller. And we are doing part two of Mysteries, Marvels, and Miracles. I can't tell you how much fun we're going to have. <laughs> but I will ask you this to think about. First off, you're here because the Holy Spirit has directed you here. So here you are cooperating with him. And what does that Holy Spirit do? There's a lot of miracles that go on in all of our lives, really. Think about the small M miracles, Yeah, the miracle that happens in your life. Think about that. Yeah, I mean, before I came here today, uh, I was just asking my wife and my son. I said, you know, what do you do you think is the greatest miracle? And he, you know, Fulton, my son, just said, well, just human life. Yeah. Let's look at the amazingness of the human body, the person, the thing that's in our face every day, literally in our face. You go in the mirror, you look at your eyeball, you think about your heart pumping, you can breathe, you can move. You're like, this is something that we just take for granted, and yet. When you pull back the curtain about what's going on behind the scenes at the cellular level and whatnot, there's some great things there. So that's kind of like the natural small M. We're going to be talking about some of the capital M big stuff, so there to speak, that kind of goes beyond the supernatural yeah. and so but forth. But first, John, tell us who you are, where you're from, and then we're going to dive right into it. So Sean Miller, I uh, work as a director of religious education at a Catholic parish at Immaculate Heart of Mary in New Melly, and I've been privileged to do that for like over 20 years now. And so um, love to speak on topics. This is one of my favorite ones because as we're trying to share the faith, you know, it's always interesting. Everyone thinks they got to have this great, you know, theological knowledge or whatnot to be able to communicate articulately, but it's like the Lord's given us some pretty simple means through these miracles, these mysteries, these marvels, that it's both exciting to share, but it also helps build faith. Because I've always been interested in like what helps people to get jolted out of indifference and relativism, which is kind of just sucking us all in today in, in their world. And it's really, I say, miseries and miracles, tragedies, sufferings, but that these signs and these wonders, you know. So I think that, especially today in an era that uh, you know claims to follow the science, worship, follow the evidence, wherever oh, it yeah. leads, it's like, well, look, let's follow the science of the supernatural. Sure. You know, in fact, uh, I've been working with a guy. We're going to put a billboard out in a couple of weeks that it says follow the science of the supernatural, and it lists miraclehunter.com. Here's a guy who's got the top uh, internet resource for miracles, who's kind of documented all these things, and you. 
can just go to a site and say, yeah, here, here, here's a science. Here's a body of knowledge, of evidence that documents these great signs and wonders that provide motives of credibility to our faith. You know, that sometimes we think, oh, it's just a blind leap. You know, you just got to believe it's value, it's emotion. It's like, no, this is, we're leaping into the light here. We're trying to follow the truth and the evidence and what it all means. So I think that's what the gift of miracles is. It's a, it's a wake-up call. It's kind of like the commercial for Miracle Ear, you know. You put that thing in your <laughs> He who has ears, let him hear. There you go. So my prayer is that, you know, God will stir us up for people who are hearing this today just to kind of open themselves and say that there's some real uh, solid data and signs and wonders to kind of help us in our faith. So, And uh, with that in mind, we're supposed to start with a prayer, so please save my job here. I got, well, Do you got, I got one? I got a great prayer. There's a, a, a priest, Father Matthias Thielen. He wrote a book called The Biblical Foundations for the Role of Healing and Evangelization. And God's really been using him as an instrument for healing, and there's a lot of signs and wonders going on with his own life and ministry. But he wrote this book, and at the back he uh, gives a prayer that Father Renero Cantalameso wrote, who's now a cardinal. And um, this is from his book, The Mystery of Pentecost. He says, beautiful prayer. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, turn your gaze upon us today and extend your hand so that cures, miracles, and wonders are performed in the name of Jesus because we become distracted, deaf and hard of heart, and the words no longer suffice. Let us have the courage again to ask you again for signs and prodigies, not for us, but for your glory and for the spread of your kingdom. Our world is again or has become once more in great part unbelieving. For this reason, we need some of your signs that might convince the world or at least reclaim its attention. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you count to La Mesa as a cardinal? He is. Is that the Capuchin who was yes. over there kind of yelling at St. John Paul and he's been the papal <laughs> chaplain ever since? That's is this the, the guy? That's really? The man. I didn't know he was yeah. a cardinal. Oh, my goodness. That's Good for him. <laughs> he writes these great little books that you can't get through because they, they, every word, every paragraph is so chock full of great stuff. Read them if you can. Canta la Mesa. <laughs> well, good stuff here. So, um, you know, I, I said last time that just as a quick summary, there's a doubting Thomas in all of us. You know, the Lord, you said, blessed are those who haven't seen yet believe. And yet he gives us these signs and wonders. The greatest miracle you would say is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So what I did was to try and um, make this user-friendly is I took uh, all the data that I've kind of covered over the years and I try to put it in this memory aid, M-I-R-A-C-L-E-S, miracles, right? So briefly, M, matter, mankind, life, creation, right? That's what I said in the beginning, that this is, um, you know, the wonders of the human person as well as of the universe. I, images, icons, incorruptibles, R, resurrection, relics, A, apparitions, C, conversions, the Catholic Church, L, Lord's levitation, E, exorcisms, experiences, Eucharistic miracles, and S, Scripture, stigmatists, and saints. So I'm going to, that was a quick bird's eye view, but uh, just kind of in summary, uh, last time I spoke about just the wonders of creation. And again, anybody that loves science, <laughs> realize it is a window into the author of science, which is God, who is the same one as the author of, of our faith. But um, I recommended shows like The Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel, The Privileged Planet. The group that put out The Privileged Planet on DVD, it's a, it's a group called um, the Discovery Institute and discovery.org. There's a guy, just want to recommend, I just read this huge tome, it's called The Return of the God Hypothesis by Stephen, Stephen Meyer. And he basically shows that how 
you know, the evidence right now with the fine tuning of the universe and and so much that we've learned over these past, you know, 50 to 100 years, it really is pointing, you know, to God so more clearly. And he just gives a great case. So I'd like you to encourage him maybe go on discovery.org website to, to talk about that first letter about matter, mankind, life, and uh, creation. So so from there, M, miracles uh, of matter, I, images, icons, incorruptibles, R, we talked about the resurrection. That was the miracle of miracles. So from um, God being the author of nature to God being the author of scripture, God is also the author of, of these great signs and wonders. So that's kind of where we're at so far. So good. So far, so good. So far, so good. That was part one. Now we're in part two. I don't think you're going to get part two all the way done. (laughs) It's going to have to be part three, but here we go. Which which letter are we on? We're on A. A. M-I-R-A. So so if we stopped with uh, the resurrection of the Lord. Now, this is interesting because resurrection appearances of Jesus were not limited to the first century. And sometimes I think, you know, when you talk about the faith, it's like, okay, we got to look back and try and find the data of evidence based upon Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But what about apparitions of the Lord and Mary and the saints in modern times? I mean, we just celebrated the feast of Jesus appearing to St. Faustina. Mm -hmm. Jesus appearing to St. Faustina. So this was like in, what, 1933? Um, So then you think about, like, again, throughout this whole thing, I'm going to try and be recommending some resources here, too. But I think about when the Lord appeared to St. Francis, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, Mother Teresa, Padre Pio. There's a book called The Boy Who Met Jesus in uh, Rwanda. You know, different things like that. Um, there's always going to be these encounters that are credible. They're not just kind of this woo-woo stuff, you know. Um, so that's just about apparitions of our Lord. But in modern times, we have really more apparitions of Our Lady. Mm-hmm. Great video years ago I watched, hosted by Ricardo Montalban of Fantasy Island Days. Oh, yeah. Marian Apparitions of the 20th Century. Great show to watch. It's on YouTube. But he documents some of these um, apparitions. You know, and again, I've heard stories over the years of people who've had um, encounters with the Lord. I mean, I think about a priest that's well-known, Father John Ricardo. The Lord sure. appeared to him. There's a guy named uh-huh. Marino Restrapo, who was a Hollywood writer who was kidnapped in Colombia. He wrote a book that he was in this cave for six months. The Lord appeared to him. Now he's given his life to give testimony to that encounter. So there's a lot of stuff out there if our ears are open and so are our eyes. So um, just want to comment about, really, if you think about apparitions of Our Lady, modern times since 1830 on, there's been a ton. Uh, and again, you got to sift from the holy from the hokey. And so I'm not just trying to just say, here, go here and follow whatever, but like, look at the ones that have been kind of, you know, stood the test of time. The greatest one is Our, our Lady of Guadalupe. So oh, we sure. have yeah. whole talks on, on that. There's a ton of great books um, you can read. Probably most people listening to this uh, radio station has, has heard of, of, of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Bottom line, long story short, 1531, she appears in Juan Diego. After a series of events, she leaves her image on his cloak. It's still there in Mexico City to this day. It's like the Shroud, one of the most studied relics of all time. 18 million people go there every year. The image on the tilma itself, this, the name for his cloak, it's uh, fa- fabulous. It's a whole instructional tool to teach and convert. Nine million people were converted in about the same amount of years. So they've got all on the Internet um, just the detailed studies of that beautiful image. So, again, something to see. It's it's amazing to ponder that this image has been on there. It should have decomposed within 
a few years. It's been on there for 500 years, and you can go still see it to this day. Tilma, very poor man making a cloak out of very poor fibers, cactus fibers that should not in the most wildest dreams ever lasted more than 20 or 30 years. Not only that, but nobody can see what that image is created by. Is it right. paint? Is it what? It's not paint. There's no brush strokes. It, right. It's a miracle of <clears throat> science would look at it and say it's a miracle. Yeah, and so you have no idea even what it's made from. Right. You know, what, what pigment or animal dye or no, vegetable dye or what, whatever it is. So, And then, you know, just the studies of it with the, the eyes, the image itself, it's really beautiful. So Our Lady of Guadalupe, if you haven't heard about it, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, but you got to really know it. So, so from there, you just think about modern apparitions. And again, there's some great websites and documentaries on these. So... Marian Apparitions of the 20th Century um, is a great one to start. There is this, uh, so I mentioned in the beginning this um, site, MiracleHunter.com, and he uh, did a story that they, they wrote in the National Geographic, and it says, um, starting in the 16th century, the, the, the Roman Catholic Church instituted a strict vetting process for miracles, like the 2,000 sightings of the Virgin Mary claimed since A.D. 40. To be worthy of belief in church support, apparitions must be deemed miraculous with a high degree of certainty and in line with church doctrine and have found and had a positive impact. So you think about that. 2,000 claimed sightings. They that got we this, know of. Right. They've got this a cool map that has all the sightings of the world. And just an amazing thing. So, like, there's a series called The Woman Clothed with the Sun that highlights some of these. But... Um, Again, if you go to MiracleHunter.com, you can see what have been kind of deemed as credible, worthy, still ongoing investigation. Because typically the church doesn't ever approve an apparition site, typically until after it's done. You know, so we'll speak about some of those later on. But the big one that probably most of us know is um, of Fatima, Portugal, 1917. Right. Our Lady appeared to three children, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta. And um, that's an amazing story, again. Look at these videos. The Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima. They made that into a movie. Back in the day, um, there's a book called Fatima and Lucia's Own Words, The Great Sign. Long story short, apparitions appear. Some believe, some didn't. The kids said, please, Mother, show us a sign. Let everyone believe. Uh, October the 13th, 1917, in front of everyone in a, in a, in a drenched, rain-soaked <laughs> climate time. Here is the miracle of the sun that appeared before they estimate at least 70,000 people there who saw the sign and wonder. And again, the people, the, the sun began to descend. People thought they were going to die. It had held in place for 12 minutes. Then it went back. And it was all to confirm what these children had uh, told them about what Our Lady's message is. So these signs and wonders are not an end in themselves. They're meant to kind of point to the message, which is do what? Pray, convert. Convert, do penance, you know, return your life to God. Everything about Our Lady, which surprises me that people don't get this, it's like her soul magnifies the Lord. Every time she comes, it's not about her, it's about him. It's about her son. So her last words in Scripture were, do whatever he tells you. This is what these apparitions are for. Now, an interesting little footnote here. We're in the year of St. Joseph, right? So do you know that St. Joseph appeared at Fatima? I 19, didn't know that. In 1917. Look at that. On the last day, on October the 13th, Lucia had seen not only the miracle of the sun, but that also these various images of Our Lady. And one was St. Joseph holding the child Jesus with Our Lady there. He appeared as a young man. 
because there's always a debate about how old is St. Joseph. <laughs> and, and then now, so there, there are two other sites, in fact, um, where St. Joseph appeared. A little trivia there. Knox? Knock, Ireland, 1879, and in Zaytun, Egypt, 1968 to 1971. So again, that is a more of a modern apparition there, too, where people have actual images of Our Lady there. uh, She appeared over this church, which has always been held to be one of the places where the Holy Family stopped on their way either to or from Egypt back in the day. So it's really interesting that he actually appeared there, too. So um, other ones, Our Lady of Cabejo, great video, If Only We Had Listened, uh, The Boy Who Met Jesus. I mean, really a fascinating story there, too. Is that a a movie or a book? Our Lady of Cabejo is a book that was written by Immaculate Ili Begiza, which many people... Oh, Immaculate, yeah. Yeah. She spoke here in St. Louis a number of times. Yeah, she wrote the work Left to Tell. Yeah, I'll I'll mention her in a moment. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and this is a special presentation, Mysteries, Marvels, and Miracles, Part 2 with Sean Miller. (laughs) And her story is great, Immaculate. Absolutely. Yeah, Uh, what a powerful story. Lived in a closet or bathroom for, what, months? Hiding from... I think three months. Three months, yeah. Anyway, so if you ever hear a speaker, you can read her story. It's, it's, It's a great one. Talk about a move to faith. Yeah, uh, and and that growing how how bad something bad something terrible God can make something very very well, good out of it. What's fascinating about her story too, and again the fact that she wrote this book is that Our Lady had come ten years before the genocide happened in 1994. In Ar- this is in Rwanda. Rwanda, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so this was actually Our Lady of Cabejo, and I don't really know the geography there well, but you know she had appeared to these children there and was kind of warning them, change your lives. Otherwise, there's going to be some kind of a chastisement, some kind of a struggle, some kind of a war, which we know it was horrible. Yeah. A million people died within about 100 days and brutal deaths. But but there's a video out there called If Only We Had Listened, and it documents the the scientific scrutiny. It kind of tells the story of the apparitions of Our Lady of Cabejo. But then also what I love is the uh, the people that investigate this because, you know, like in these modern apparitions, uh, when you have children there, like they did some pretty, I'd say, barbaric testing. Like during a so-called ecstasy, they would they stab this one girl in the back oh. to see if she would respond. You know, they would push him over. They would sit on him. They would do all these kind of like, oh, that's not what you call a scientific study, but it kind of showed that something there was going on. Something was going on. Something oh, yeah. was going on. And even though there was a to, to push and, and to kind of convert, you know, over time, it uh, it didn't convert as many as what should have been done. So so for modern times, too, I just want to say, you know, Cabejo and what happened there, it was it was controversial, so to speak. But like, you know, many of us have heard about Medjugorje. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, it was interesting that, you know, in in the times in which we live, it's almost like someone once told me it's kind of like a person who wants to wear one of those MAGA hats. They, they're afraid to wear it in public because they're afraid somebody might say, ah, oh, you're doing this. They believe things privately, but they're afraid to kind of go publicly with it. And so I think, you know, I just want to mention, like, Medjugorje is one of those ongoing sites that are still under church scrutiny. Typically, no apparitions get approved until it's done. So I can see why the church is hesitant. They've done a commission on it since 1981. Six kids have claimed to, to have apparitions of Our Lady. And there's a, a ton of beautiful resources out there, books and movements and whatnot, um, 
Father Brene Laurenton was one of these Mariologist experts who was very positive to it. And I've I've heard both sides, you know, over the years. And uh, but bottom line. Um, it's one of those things. I mean, it's deeply affected my own life. I know many people that it, it has. My wife and I actually first met there, believe it or not, even oh, though wow. we live 15 minutes away from one another. But um, I really would encourage people to kind of try and get the facts, then decide, and take an open mind to things. No one is ever obliged to believe in any private revelation. Right. But if it helps us to live it at some period in history, that's it's, it's key. So again, like um, there's two guys talking about M's, M&M, Mark Mallet and Dr. Mark Miravalli. They've written very positive things on it. And I've, I've got folks that have kind of, you know, spoken on the downside. Bottom line, though, is what I love about this is that given it's modern times, the scientific scrutiny that it's been undergone has been huge. These kids have been tested over and over, and they've claimed the same story for 40 years. The signs and the wonders are... Um, so key. So talk about follow the science. Can you imagine the level of what scrutiny you can give scientifically during a person in a so-called ecstasy? But again, it's kind of like a Fatima. Whether or not you believe in the um, outward wonder, you're looking at what is the message? You know, pray, fast, convert, make mass the center of your life, read scripture. For anybody that's ever given me any any slack on it, I'd say like, all right, live the messages and then get back with me. Yeah. Because uh, you got to tr- judge a tree by, by its fruits, fruits. And there's been, a, a, you know, so many people that have converted there. In fact, Cardinal Christoph Schonborn actually personally went there because he said all the seminarians in his in his uh, seminary received their call to the priesthood through Medjugorje. That's, that's a quote from him. Wow. That's a so tremendous. the miracles there, and then really, I think one of the best things, if you're looking at it, because people say, "Is this from God? Is this from nature? Is this from the devil?" They've got 60 confessionals there in Medjugorje. Now, can you imagine a place where you have 60 confessionals? You know, they call it the confessional of Europe. One of the strongest signs. So, I mean, if it is of the devil, can you imagine a place where you'd have 60 confessionals ongoing? dumping of sins and purifying hearts. I mean, you know, like I've, I had one priest, he, I said, what is your vision for the parish? And he, he was kind of if if and on about Medjugorje. He's like, I kind of would like it to be like Medjugorje. <laughs> 60 confessionals would be good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, apparitionhill.org, great movie there. I want to recommend this site, medjugorjealive.org. You can kind of watch filmmakers who film these children. Now they're, you know, in their in their 40s and their 50s who who have a, an apparition. You can see it live. They've... They've, uh, you know, filmed these children there. So, I mean, it's really a beautiful thing. It's a moment in time. Her first message was, I have come to tell you that God exists. But again, these are still alleged. I don't want to rock the boat here. In 2017, there was a commission that they gave their, you know, uh, testimony, and they've, you know, said what that is. They basically recommended that the first seven apparitions be approved and the later ones let's kind of hold off to. But Pope Francis hasn't officially ruled on it. But Yeah, it, but the bottom line is what you said before. Whether it's Medjugorje or Fatima, nobody is obligated as a Catholic to believe in them. Yeah, no one is there bound is no, by faith. Right. There's no... You're not, you know, there's, you're not obliged. Right. But, you know, look, if it's, uh, if there's an outpouring of faith, maybe that's what a miracle is. Yeah. I mean, if, if one is like, uh, I had this priest who said, you know, like people that say, I don't believe in us. He said, that's fine. You don't have to. But he goes, you know, are you skeptical or are you closed minded? And he's like, you know, this could be a moment of grace and time. If you have an apparition today and you said, Sean, 
our lady told me this, I, would I be bound to believe you? Of or not. would I say, you know, by human faith, I think Peter's a trustworthy guy. And what does this mean? What is this saying? Because God works through instruments. So again, its goal ultimately is, which leads us into our next one, is the letter C, is conversion. This is what it's all about. I call you to convert, because what's the one thing that this is focused on is that is to get rid of sin. The one thing that can withhold us from heaven is sin, so it's repent, change your life, convert. And so I I love hearing conversion stories, especially ones like uh, one of my favorite talks is of Char Vance, who had a conversion experience through Medjugorje. She was healed there, and a great st- story. She's uh, extremely funny. If you ever look her up, Char Vance, great story there. But um, I got a picture here of, of this guy getting baptized, and it's a movie called Convinced. And he kind of documents folks who've had conversion stories. I'm talking about conversions of faith, whether they were atheists or if they were non-Catholics or other religions and whatnot. This one guy, I think one of the most amazing conversion stories I've heard of is this guy named uh, Blessed Bartolo Longo, who was mentioned by John Paul II in his encyclical on the rosary. He was a former satanic priest. So had, there's hope for everybody. <laughs> right, who had a conversion experience through the instrumentality of, of Our Lady. And... Uh, you know, for those who are really interested, and, and again, I teach RCIA, the first thing I give people is to say, look, whatever religious background you're from, if you're Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Mormon, Jew, whatever, that there's a, a network called the Coming Home Network. They archive about a thousand conversion stories on there. So it's the Coming Home Network, I think, .org. And you can kind of find like, okay, here's 20 Baptist conversion stories. Here's 20 atheist conversion stories. And then you see the workings of grace. So like for those in the year of St. Joseph, you might have been through this book called The Consecration of St. Joseph by Father Don Calloway. Right. And that is an amazing conversion story there too. Oh, no doubt. Which kind of began at Medjugorje. But it's like, but I mean, here's a guy that really has went on to really become a a, a huge light in the church who had an Augustine-like conversion, but... Lighthouse Catholic Media, they've got all these stories, um, you know, the Scott Hahn types, the uh, Tim Staples, the Steve Rays, uh, love a book called Honey from the Rock, Jewish Conversion Stories. Because and his first book is good, too. Yeah, was that Salvation is from the Jews? Salvation that's, comes from the Jews. Yeah, yeah. that's by uh, Roy, Roy Schulman. Roy Schulman. So, um, but it's amazing to me that when you look at like Jewish and Muslim conversions, is that oftentimes there are miraculous phenomena. It wasn't just like an intellectual conversion. They typically were like shown some vision, some mystical experience, something that, some kind of a dream. They really talk about there's, especially in the Muslim world, those who do convert this through a dream or an apparition of Our Lady or of Jesus, which is really fascinating that God is still working in those ways. We all have our miracles, some more profound. And God wants us to be the best people we can be, right? What we're called to be. I will say one thing with regard to Jewish conversion and and Roy Shulman in particular and Mother Miriam and other Jews who convert. We're the only one who uses the word convert. Right. They say fulfill, right? Fulfill. Yeah. They say, I have never been more Jewish. And Mother Miriam will say, uh, there is only one religion more Jewish than Judaism, and that's Catholicism. So it, <laughs> yeah. it is the fulfillment of, of who God wants yeah. us to be. Yeah. And that's what I love, and that's what I try and uh, speak every time when I teach RCA, is that I want to build on what foundation you have, because 
you know, like the term used to be that the Catholic Church is the true church. I think the better expression is it's the fullness. The fullness. And that is a good word to use. Yeah. That's what we always say. That is what we say. Yeah, because rather than saying, if I say we are the true church, then that, that, that means it's like, okay, well, then I am, am I in a false one? It's like, well, no, is that there is a, a, a greater means, you, you know, to kind of grow in here. And the church offers us this, this greater life, almost like a, a, a Humvee versus a just regular car. There's much more offense and defense that's at play there to give us this fullness. No doubt, no doubt. Well, we are. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. We're with Sean Miller, but I call him Mueller, and we're talking about mysteries, marvels, and miracles. And now you can do me a favor, go out and tell some friends that we're on the radio, join us uh, for the second half. And then I have a couple announcements when we get back. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution, offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable. Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E.org. Or give them a call, area code 707 707- 255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. All right, and we're back. I'm going to do a little business before we get underway because we have a lot to do. I don't know if you realize how much fun we're having here. I know Sean is, uh, but we are too. So first off, don't forget, please remember, there, we are having the Catholic Man of the Year. So go to S-A-I-N-T, SaintJosephRadio.net. Uh, so that's S-A-I-N-T, Saint, Saint, JosephRadio.net. Pick up an application and nominate a good man. Do it. Do it now. We need good men as examples. Uh, secondly, at St. Angela Marisi, there's going to be night prayer at 6 o'clock. And then on May 1st, the following Saturday, at 8 a.m., there's Mass. And following Mass, we have a little coffee and fellowship. And there's going to be a speaker. I cannot recommend him, but I have what it's a, on my notes. shameless and I, plugs. What and this I, is. I have to mention it. I'm the speaker, <laughs> oh, yeah. for goodness oh, sakes. Yeah. So Come see me. If you know some people you really don't like, send them here, for goodness <laughs> sakes. Uh, so I'll be talking about maybe we all be one. And and I'll tell you, it, it's nice. a little bit of a misdirection. It'll be a lot Toot of fun. Toot your own horn. Uh, 
Uh, look, you know, I'm an employee here, and if I don't do what I'm told, I get fired. So please, St. Angela Marisi is really a wonderful, wonderful special parish. So please come and see us up there. St. Angela Marisi this coming Friday at 6 o'clock for evening prayer and the following morning, 8 a.m. for Mass, followed by a little bit of coffee, fellowship, and a talk. <laughs> by me! <laughs> All right, we're back to miracles. We have a lot, lot of miracles to talk about, and it'll be a miracle if we finish. So let's do it. I'm going to power through these. So right. uh, we're on C. I talked about you know these conversion stories, but really, the C for the Catholic Church itself is an amazing thing. You think about 2,000 year history, and it's a marvel from this historical link of these popes. You know, we got 266 popes from Pope Francis back to Saint Peter. And uh, the fact that the church exists, I mean, if it wasn't divine, we would have destroyed it ourselves a long time ago. And uh, Peter Craved has a great CD called Seven Reasons to be Catholic that kind of highlight that. It's that this his, the historical testimony and the existence of the church. I got this memory aid called Thumb to kind of summarize this. The Catholic church is time-tested, historically rooted, universally extended, miraculously confirmed, and biblically foretold in prophecy and typology. To say this is a wonder... <laughs> even though sometimes it looks like it's breathing on one lung at times, but this is a, a gift that God has protected. This is my church. He didn't say, here, Peter, you're built like a rock. Here's my keys. Now go build a church. I will build my church. This is Christ's church. And the fact that it exists is a testimony uh, that everyone should kind of look at. You know. And if you haven't read Kreeft, you need to. He is the modern Chesterton of our time. Yeah. Now, the one gift, and I love this one, is the canonization process. I mean, think about this. To test if someone is a saint in heaven, the church requires typically two miracles on earth to testify to what is done in heaven. So we have this process called the canonization process. So when you really look into this and study this, it's amazing to ponder. I mean, just look at the any recently canonized saint, go online, try and find out, okay, what miracles were approved to give testimony that this person is in heaven. I mean, I just did a quick sample of people that were healed here in the States that whose healings were used as a part of the process of beatification and canonization. Like, we've all probably heard of St. Joseph's sh uh, Shrine there. There was uh, Ignatius Strucker was healed back in uh, 1887 by St. Peter Claver. So that's a Vatican-confirmed Miracle. And I'm a Knight of Peter Claver. If you have, don't know about it, look into it. I like it. There was uh, Jake Finkbonner. He was five years old in 2006. He had this flesh-eating bacteria. They prayed um, through Kateri Tikikwitha, and she was healed, or he was healed of this horrible disease. One of my favorite saints, who I named my firstborn after, Fulton Sheen, he's in the process right now. There was a guy named James Engstrom, who was, uh, he was basically born, stillborn for 61 minutes. His mom wrote a book called 61 Minutes to a Miracle. And then through the intercession of Fulton Sheen, they believe he came back to life and was breathing and is fully um, healed now. And so that using that as part of a, the process there, that's a fabulous story there. So re read her book, again, 61 Minutes to a Miracle, just to find out about how the Vatican investigates this stuff. You know, they just say, ah, oh, I heard somebody got healed there. Okay, let's use it, Charlie. You know, it's like, no, they, that's a real process here. So I say that going into the letter L because I separated one of the apparitions of Our Lady, L of Lords, because of all the apparition sites, I mean, they all have miraculous healings and whatnot, but Lords in particular, they had so many healings there. This is in Lords, France, 1858. Our Lady appears as St. Bernadette. 
that there were so many people claiming to be healed that they had to establish a medical bureau. And this is filled with people of all ranks of, you know, doctors who are believers, non-believers, and whatnot. So I was fortunate to go there, and they had what's called the miracle room of people who were healed there. And it's like the scrutiny for miracles is, 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 is massive. But there's a guy, I won't go into the story, his name is Jack Trainer, T-R-A-Y-N-O-R. He was uh, just a fabulous story. He was definitely healed there, but because they didn't have strict, um, I guess, testimony before, during, and after all this healing, he wasn't part of one of those 70. But they say that there are over 7,000 documented spontaneous physical healings on file at the Lord's Medical Bureau. So there's EWTN has a show called The Miracles of Lords, and they go into this. And there's probably a lot more, but who's going to go through the scrutiny of, of, of all that to get their testimony that, in fact, that they were healed? But there's... I think about 75 officially declared miraculous healings. But again, there's a ton more. Um, and then just for the letter L, I, I said levitation, other phenomena. And I'm thinking of a of a great saint called St. Joseph of Cupertino. There's a movie called The Reluctant Saint. He's a patron saint of flying because he would actually levitate during prayer. Other saints like that have known to, like St. Teresa of Avila, St. Padre Pio, that during prayer times they would actually lift off the ground. I don't know what that fully means if it's that, that we're it's like a heavenly body. It's that we're no longer bound by human things or if it's the spirit rising in the air. But there's all this phenomena. So... The title of this talk, Mysteries, Marvels, and Miracles, that's actually based upon a book by Joan Carol Cruz, and she lists all this phenomena of some of these saints, the odor of sanctity, you know, mystical transportation, um, various phenomena, halos, and, and so forth. It's, it's something to really look into about, like, there's some phenomena going on here that's really associated with holiness. And so we call these things charisms, so to speak, phenomena. And the church talks about in Catechism 799 that there's, whether extraordinary or simple and humble, charisms are graces of the Holy Spirit, and their, and their purpose is really to build up the body of, of Christ. And so in, in the church, we've got the charism of miracles and healers. You, know, you think about some of these great saints, St. Saint Francis Xavier, St. John Bosco, St. Patrick, St. Vincent Ferrer, St. Anthony. Saint, you know, like St. Vincent Ferrer, he was a guy who they say saints who raised the dead. That there's in the history of the church, God has blessed people with the charism of of healing. Now you think about the wonders of creation. Think about for those people who are hearing this talk right now, what has to take place for us to even hear the the sound waves hitting parts of our ear to go into our brain to register sounds. But even if that unfathomable organism of the human person is ruptured, God still works miracles through people. I mean, Solanus Casey, St. Andre Bisset, maybe people have heard here of Father Peter Rookie, Damian Stain. I mentioned Father Matthias Thielen. There's the gift and fruit of healing out there. And just a couple books to recommend. Um, one is called Healing by Mary Healy. One is called Lord Renew Your Wonders by Damian Stain. And again, the one I mentioned in the beginning, Biblical Foundations for the Role of Healing in Evangelization by Father Matthias Thielen. Their group in Encounter Ministries has produced a couple videos that are really worth your time to look about, just like a healing service model. One's called Fearless, one is called Revive. And it's where they go into a high school and they basically ask God to grant healing to these folks. And it's really a beautiful thing uh, to see. We know in the church as well, we've got a sacrament for healing, not just reconciliation, but also the anointing of the sick. And I, I've loved over the years talking to priests who've actually anointed folks who, who are immediately healed right then and there in body, you know, so. Um, and and you, you 
Talk to any priest, you'll hear a hundred stories. Like yeah, that. yeah. So again, we're talking about some of the more noted supernatural ones, but it's it like happens every day. It really Literally, is. Every if you have day. eyes to see and yeah. ears to hear. So in terms of the letter E, I got exorcisms, experiences, Eucharistic miracles. So in terms of like experiences, you know, I always think about, you know, I was speaking about these charisms and these, one of us called it locution. And there's a guy that we know who I heard about 30 years ago give a testimony about a locution he was having from God that was telling various things of wisdom. Now, at the time, I thought, well, this sounds kind of weird or odd. But that person was Matthew Kelly. He wrote a book oh, called really? Words from God. Oh. Now, think about all his influence in, in the world right now with all these books. Extraordinary influence, yeah. But that began with God giving him locutions, that this is what he said, that kind of led him on this journey of conversion, amongst other things. But again, mystical experiences, personal ones. I always love hearing about the uh, near-death experiences that people oh, have. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they've done documentation on this life after life for Raymond Moody. There's a ton of books on there. Um and it's, it's really good because now it's no longer just kind of this woo-woo, like, uh, this is science, medical doctors, it's, it's all been kind of studied. So these near-death experiences where people have where they, they, they die and they're somehow out of their body, but then they come back, they typically have a great um, longing for study. They understand the purpose of life is to, to, to love, and they don't fear death anymore because they've kind of tasted what the afterlife is. So again, these are kind of some things, simple and profound, where people have uh, grown closer to God. Now... In terms of exorcism, <clears throat> really, this is an amazing phenomenon. It's like for people that don't believe that God exists, well, maybe they'll come to God through experience of the devil existing, which, like I said, that Father or the Bartolo Longo, he was his former satanic priest. But this role of evil in, in the world, they've got a couple great show or movies I've watched, The Exorcist in the 21st Century, Interview with an Exorcist. There's documentation of the exorcism that happened here in St. Louis. It's a book called Possessed. They made a movie about it called In the Grip of Evil. We've got the priest notes that, that were there. So the fact that the first exorcist really, I mean, <laughs> was the Lord himself. That's we, right. we forget about his role as exorcist. Yeah. So as he did, so do we still do today. And uh, to really cast out the evil spirits. And then, uh, again, it, it's, I think, coming more to the fore because I think every diocese now, if I'm not mistaken, is required to have an exorcist. Every, every diocese has an official exorcist, yeah. And the official exorcist used to be, I don't know if he still is, is Bishop Herman. Uh, and he has, I'll call it the small e exorcism talk. Uh, you can get it here. And he talks about how forgiveness really is an exorcism that we all can yeah, yep, accomplish. Yep. We, the devil doesn't have any power unless the power we give him by forgiving and extending that unsolicited unilateral forgiveness, you take his power away. Yep, the absolutely. small e-exorcism. Great talk if you would um, like to have it. You can call this radio station at 636-447-6000 and ask for a copy of it. And it gives me an opportunity to mention to Sean and to all of our <laughs> listeners that if you would like a copy of this talk, or the first one, you can call us again at 636-447-6000. We'd be happy to send you a copy. All right, so the last E is the Eucharist, all right? It's the greatest E. It's like they once person said, if you look at an I chart, it's got E at the top. E stands for Eucharist for us as Catholics. So throughout history, again, this is a mystery of faith. We've got so much testimony in Scripture in the Church Fathers, but throughout history, the Lord's worked great miracles as signs and wonders. And so you can read about this in a book, again, by Joan Kell Cruz called Eucharistic Miracles. This is My Body by Bob and Penny Lord, Living Presence, 
Um, there's a site called therealpresence.org. In fact, they've got a Vatican exhibit that is going around. You might have seen it at your own parish where they have about, I think, 150 panels of documented Eucharistic miracles throughout history. One of the greatest ones I've heard <laughs> what took place, it's a series called, uh, or it's a video called Science Test Faith. I think that's a website too, sciencetestfaith.org or youshallbelieve.com, where they document a miracle that took place in Pope Benedict when he was a cardinal in uh, Argentina. That took place Pope, Pope, there. Pope, Pope Francis. Yeah, what did I say? Yeah. Better, yeah. Okay, yeah, Pope yeah, Francis. Pope Francis. When, when he was Cardinal Correct. Jorge Bergoglio That's in his it. diocese, there is uh, a, a documented miracle that took place there. I don't know if they officially declared it as such, but there's a book called Reason to Believe and Unseen that highlight that. So it's an amazing thing that, to ponder that these things are ongoing. They test us like the first one at Lanciano in Italy. Heart muscle tissue, this, these hosts that take on visible, physical appearances and qualities. And I think about the heart muscle. And that's what they took place at Lanciano and this one in, in uh, Argentina. To give away the end of the story, somebody did, uh, a fa- famous scientist did a study on it, determined it was heart tissue. And then he was uh, asked to say, he gave him another sample. And he says, well, this sample came from the same person. It was Lasciano. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And it's and I, I can remember reading some of that where it said that this is the part of the heart that makes the muscle beat. Right, right. So when you really think about that in light of the sacred heart of Jesus and what he wants to communicate, that we've got, you know, again, in our faith, Catholics believe that this is the real presence of Jesus who physically, supernaturally, in his glorified body, gives us himself. The shepherd feeds his sheep. And that we've got signs and wonders to kind of help be a motive of credibility to confirm this. It's a beautiful thing. I really encourage it because it really does build faith. Now, the last letter is the letter S, which um, I want to talk about. You know, we've mentioned some of the saints. I'd encourage you to look at some of the mysteries, marvels, and miracles of the lives of the saints, not just in the supernatural stuff, but in the heroic virtue. You know, these are people that live these lives. But then uh, I want to speak about one, St. Padre Pio. He was a stigmatist. Right, So this is a person who had the wounds of Christ for 50 years in his hands, feet, and side. And throughout history, there's been, you know, I think hundreds of stigmatists that have been, I, I'm not sure on the exact number, but you can um, get a book called They Bore the Wounds of Christ. You can read anything about Padre Pio. Um, it's fabulous now. They wrote a book because the Vatican archives, where they first interviewed him after he got these wounds, because obviously it caused a certain uh, of um, wonder. But they got the testimony of Padre Pio when he first gave his um, account of how he received those wounds. And that is a book called Padre Pio Under Investigation, The Secret Vatican Files. And it's a gift. Again, this was Padre Pio offering himself for the church and, um, you know, to carry those wounds. Again, he died in 1968. As he began to die, his wounds began to close up, which is really fascinating. His shrine now in... um, is visited by 7 million pilgrims uh, each year. Most people who are Catholic have heard of Padre Pio, but there's other other saints and people throughout the history of the church. Like in, in uh, November 7th, 2014, Pope Francis advanced the cause of a stigmatist, Martha Robin. In fact, it's interesting is that most of the stigmatists throughout history have been women than men. Really? I didn't Maybe know they that. can, I mean, someone said they probably can suffer better than men do. Well, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> but, you know, St. <laughs> Francis of, of Assisi is obviously most well-known, um, and uh, Teresa Newman, N-E-U-M-A-N-N. So with Padre Pio, though, you've got a man who was 
a person of heroic virtue. His life is worth studying, not just for the stigmata, but even everything that he did. And just want to say one last word about Scripture, which, again, all these signs and wonders, God willing, they'll point us to Scripture to get more into God's Word. This is the privileged place where we encounter God. Just like we see our bodies every day, this is the voice of Christ in Scripture. The fact that we've got this sacred text from the beginning, you know, we said God's authored two books, the book of nature, the book of Scripture. So you think about not only the words of God, but all these prophecies, the typologies, everything that was prepared for in the old was fulfilled by Christ in the new. There's, uh, you know, a book called The Crucified Rabbi by Taylor Marshall, Salvation is from the Jews. We mentioned that earlier, that documents some of these things. You know, you think about like a Psalm 22, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was written in the year 1000, even before crucifixion was invented. Right. And it was almost like it was written at the of the cross. So you've got all these prophecies of these characters from Adam, Joseph, Moses, Jacob, David, Solomon, Jeremiah. They all point to to, to the Lord and and just to give a, an accounting of who he is and his his word, that it's all good, true, and and it's beautiful. So again, I, I guess if there's one more resource I could recommend, it is um, the Footprints of God series by Steve Ray. Oh, I love Steve Ray. And uh, I was privileged to go to the Holy Land with him back a few years ago. And he really highlights the typology and how all this was a prelude, a foreshadowing, and was fulfilled by Christ. There's a great line in the Catechism that says, The coming of God's Son to earth is an event of such immensity that he willed to prepare for it over centuries. So again, I think the Bible itself is a sign and a wonder. So um, I guess just to conclude here, and all that we've said, I always think that, you know, like I think you said earlier, it takes more faith to be a non-believer or atheist than it is to be a believer. So in light of modern skepticism, you know, what sh- how, how does this all make sense in light of your worldview? What, what has the most explanatory power, so to speak, you know, given all the data, facts, clues, and signs, which conclusion best fits the evidence? You know, I think we got to follow the science of the supernatural, these signs that kind of can jolt us to think that life is just all what's in front of us, and that we kind of even lose sight of the miracle that we are and just in having this conversation. So, again, a question to ask everybody is, uh, <clears throat> what do you think is the greatest miracle? And I think it really is... It's conversion, because who gives a rip if you get your leg healed, or your heart healed, or your cancer healed, or whatever healed, or you see, wow, I saw the miracle of the sun, if it doesn't lead you to conversion. Because really, the Lord wasn't into sensationalism, right? You know, he did these signs and wonders to kind of point to the fact of who he was. And, you know, he wants to heal people in there. He, he's concerned about whole salvation, not just soul salvation, but it's like he wants conversion because this window of life is a puff of smoke compared to eternity. So God willing, you know, we want to go to conversion. I look at the line that G.K. Chesterton once said, he goes, you know, why did you convert to the Catholic Church? And he said, to get my sins forgiven. Because really that is the greatest conversion when you think about it. What's more better? Um, There was an exorcist who said that Confession is much more important than an exorcism because in confession, you get sin out of the soul and you add light to it, whereas in an exorcism, you just get a demon out of the body. So like, wow, I never really thought about that. So the, the, the game plan is conversion, moral conversion. So everything that I've tried to say today, I hope it's a kind of a jolt to say this is some great stuff. But uh, it, it's meant to lead you because lead you to convert because the church is not a, a museum of saints. It's what they say. It's a hospital for sinners. For sinners, yeah. right? So well, and maybe we could talk about what 
a miracle is to us. And uh, I'll tell you, I was having, and this is a long time ago, I was having a little bit of, of uh, skepticism, I guess, mm-hmm. with regard to Medjugorian. And a great friend of mine, a priest, told me about something that, that, that he saw. He said that, uh, he said that an, a miracle is the outpouring of faith. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of goes along with what you were saying. And my mom had a miracle once. She's old, very old. Um, all she did was make her little pilgrimage to the bank and to the grocery store and walk home. You know, she'd make her pilgrimages around the house to visit all the, the, the uh, holy pictures that she had. And she had a little table there with all of her children and grandchildren. And one day she walked out, went to the grocery store, whatever, came back. She was really worried about one of us. And she's praying about it. And she came home. And the light was on by the pictures of all of us. And she said, God, turn that light on. And you know my mom is old and forgetful. <laughs> Who knows what really happened? <laughs> and Father Gaelic tells me of the story about when he went to Medjugorje mm-hmm. for a sabbatical. He was off for however many years you have, and then you, you, you get to take a week or month sabbatical. And he spent time there, and he remembered the first day he was there, and he saw the light on the top of that hill, and he remembered it when he was in Harrisburg, and he saw the cross, and he, he felt that faith that he had when he was a little child. Anyway, at the end of his sabbatical, he talked to the local priest, and he says, well, how's this sabbatical been? And he says, well, I've seen a lot, but I didn't, I didn't, didn't see that huge outpouring of faith, maybe in myself. He said, well, tell me the one time here where you felt the closest to God. And he said, well, it was that first day, actually. (laughs) And I saw that light on the top of the hill, and and it reminded me of when I was a boy and that great faith I had as a child. The priest just smiled. He says, there is no light on that hill. There is no electricity, and it never has been. Mm. It's God turning on the light. So some of the miracles that we have are just opening up our eyes. What did they say? Jews want signs and miracles, and Greeks want uh, want, uh, knowledge. Well, maybe we need both. Yeah. But if we don't have an open heart, we don't open ourselves to God's speaking to us and our potential for outpouring of faith. Yeah, and I wish everybody would just, again, um, all of us need ongoing conversion eyes to see, ears to hear, just to begin. Like I always think about, like Our Lady always says, pray, 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 pray. And, you know, you think, okay, well, what, 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 is this, what does this always mean? I mean, we know the power of prayer, but really I think prayer, one of its great side effects is that it conditions the soul to be open to the promptings of the Spirit, to recognize God. And if we're not really praying, we're not really kind of like lubricating the, the soul for the eyes to, to see and the ears to, to hear. So that prayer helps us to see these things, which otherwise, because sin can blind. You know, it really is. It's like, uh, it's kind of like sin is like throwing mud on the windshield of our eyes. And prayer and conversion helps clear it off. Because I think we're all naturally uh, prone to wonder. I mean, philosophy begins with wonder. Theology begins, you know, begins with God revealing Himself. And so you've got these two gifts of the Book of Nature, the Book of Scripture, these signs and wonders to help us to kind of see to make an act of faith to convert. But if we, you know, close our eyes, close the blinds, then whose fault is it but our own? Yeah. So it's like it's like God, give us the grace. Give us a gray suit. Give us the eyes to see. Help our own eyes be cleared up and help these signs and wonders to kind of jolt us back into this life. Of faith. Our Lord gives us that pesky free will. If you want to shut the door, he's going to respect that door being shut. Open the door. Open the door via prayer. It'll help. So please, if you would like a copy of this program or any other program that we've had, 
here, please call us at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. Don't forget about uh, St. Angela Marisi Friday night at 6 and as well after Mass on Saturday morning this coming. And who's going to be the guest speaker there? It's me. Oh, okay, it's going right. to be talking about it's, It'll be miraculous. Be yeah. It'll be miraculous. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.